family and friends of Russ Ebert. The scripture is our comfort. No matter where you go in this world looking for comfort, encouragement, looking for something to give you stability in this world, all men are. The Christian knows that it's the word of God that brings the comfort. This is the comfort here for all mankind, but because the unbeliever doesn't believe this is the Word of God, and it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to regenerate the soul, creating faith that one would believe that the Bible is the Word of the true and living God. The comfort is found for the believer. If you're here this morning and you are an unbeliever, which doesn't mean that the believer is any better than you, we are not. It means that you are one who does not believe the promises of Scripture. You do not believe what God says in the Word. You do not believe the Bible to be God's Word. You are an unbeliever as the Bible speaks. There is only one comfort that you can have and you can run to and His name is Jesus. Paul gives that this morning when he speaks to us about the body. And what happens at death? He Notice in verse 1, he says, with regards to this earthly body, and that's what he refers it to, our earthly body, or our tent. The tent is a metaphor for the body. If this house, this tent is destroyed, he's referring to it being that which is dissolving. Now, it's appropriate, the metaphor, because the Israelites were tent dwellers. Many in this time were living in tents. And if you have a tent, you know what that's like. You use it for a time and you put it away. And it might last for a number of years because you don't have a lot of use of it. But if you used it every day and it was out in the sun, it was out in the rain, out in the cold and in the heat, you would see that it would begin to wear out. And over time, that's what happens to tents, don't they? Normally you use your tent, you store it away somewhere, maybe in a barn, in a garage somewhere, and then the bugs get at it. And it starts to get holes, and there starts to have tearing, and thread starts to come loose and unraveling from it. Or the poles begin to break. They bend. And you get frustrated. You want to go and find another pole to support your tent. That's our bodies, isn't it? The bodies are wearing out. The outward man, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, is perishing. It's falling to the earth. It's it's decaying. Because of that, cancer and broken bones and knee replacement and hip replacement and heart surgeries. Why is that? We're wearing out. You know it. And some of you, you know it a lot more than others. But we all know and can feel the pain of this body wearing out. And Paul speaks of it. The groaning that takes place. We groan in this body. Every groaning that a man groans is a groan for paradise. It's a groan for something more than what we have here. It's a miserable world, isn't it? It's like an armpit. It stinks. It's difficult living in this fallen world. Man in his rebellion with sin and hatred towards God and one another. Sometimes this world seems to be unbearable. Dealing with mankind constantly. And then the sin in your own heart. But we have a promise. 
that when this earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, notice, it is going to be destroyed. Some sooner than others. Man, who was born of woman, is of few days and full of troubles, Job says. We read in Psalm 90, as Moses wrote that psalm, it's a prayer to the Lord to teach us to number our days, that we might have a heart of wisdom. There's a lot of foolish people in this world because they disregard the word of truth. They do not listen to what God says in His Word. They go about living their lives in rebellion and thinking that it's going to go well with them and then they can't figure out why it's not going well with them. Why do I have so many problems? Why does my conscience convict me? Why do I have problems in my marriage, in my family, in my job site, with my neighbors? Why is there constant problems? Because we disregard the Word of the true and living God. It's a pretty simple thing. You parents do the same thing with your children. You teach your children. And you tell them. And you instruct them. And you watch them disobey exactly what you told them to do. And you see the, the turmoil that they bring upon themselves. And you might say, did I not tell you that that would happen? In principle, it's the same thing with us with regards to the Lord. We choose to plug our ears to the word is truth. And this is what Jesus said. Sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. And when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. I was talking to Lana just a little bit this morning. and Exactly what I said. The comfort that she has of knowing that her husband was one who was believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is a great comfort. It's almost a difficulty to mourn at certain times because you know that a believer is is present with Christ. I'm jealous. Every believer wants to be there with Christ. Not here, to be there. But the Apostle Paul struggled with in Philippians 1. Uh, Rather, to be absent from this body and be present with the Lord, but yet to be here is needful at this time. Because... When the Lord has appointed your day of birth, He has also appointed your day of death. And when your purpose in this world is done for what the Lord sent you here for, you're dead. There's no accident. There's no chance. There's no coincidence. There's no out of the blue. It is predestined by the hand of God. Man doesn't like that because man wants to be controlling. It's out of your control. You can't stop the heart attack. You can't stop the stroke. Matter of fact, you don't even see it coming. And the next thing you know, you're grabbing your chest or your head and you're hitting the ground and you're out of breath. And then you hear sirens. Then you wake up maybe in the presence of doctors all hooked up to all kinds of things going on. You have no control over that. So it is. Paul says this tent, this body is going to be destroyed. But for the believer... We have a building made with, without hands, eternal in the heavens. God has prepared for us a dwelling place. That means that when Christ says in John 14, I go away to prepare a place for you, He's gone to prepare for, make ready for us when we are there with Him. Now, a lot of believers have an idea, a notion, 
that there is no body in heaven. That the, the, the physical body goes into the ground and then the believer ascends to the heavens in the soul and is naked. They're just without a body. I think the Apostle Paul is teaching here that there is some temporary type of housing that is prepared for us. Now, I've used this analogy before. I'll use it again now. <clears throat> it reminds me of going to a wedding and watching the bridal party. And what happens is they normally go, you know, some hours before the wedding and get prepared for the day's events. And what do they do? They take off their street clothes. And they put on some kind of, you know, plush robe, some kind of garment that's provided for them. But it's not their wedding garments. It's a preparatory. It's something that is better than the street clothes. Because I know some of you in the bridal party have even thought about, oh, I'd like to take this one home. Soft, it's cushy, it feels good. And then that comes off and the wedding garments are put on. I think that's what the Apostle Paul is referring to here. The building not made with hands, a preparation. We don't know any existence in, in just the spirit. The temporary housing, as it were. Not the final, not the resurrected body, but a temporary body. And that which is shed because it's covered, the body comes out of the grave covered in immortality. Death is swallowed up in life. And that is the final state, the glorious state. That's the state that we're looking for. Uh, this dying and then going to be with the Lord, that's what's called the intermediate state. It is not the consummation of all things. It's coming, but it's not yet. So uh, Paul is speaking in the present tense, meaning that there is right now, presently, a preparation for those who died in Christ, that Christ has prepared for them a building, a house not made with hands. He says in verse 2, For in this we groan. The whole creation, Romans 8, Paul says, groans. You see it with a baby crying, the baby groaning. You see it in the animal kingdom, the groaning. The, the, the tooth and claw that is all red is groaning that goes on. Why is that? Because of the fall of mankind. If you've ever read the book of Genesis, you find that all of the animals did not have a fear and dread of man. Wouldn't that be glorious? Wouldn't it be glorious to be in paradise and to be amongst all the animals that God created? And they're not running from you. But to be able to walk with, you know, the majestic lions. And just to be there with God's creation where they're not fleeing from mankind. But what sin does is it turns the world all upside down. And so now we have everything groaning. And the earth itself is groaning. Notice the earthquakes. It's the groaning of the earth. That's a consequence of man's sin. My parents live in Florida. They, they have to deal with the hurricanes. That's a consequence of the sin of man. We've had to deal with tornadoes. I grew up in Michigan, dealing with tornadoes. Lived in California, dealt with the earthquakes. There is a lot of groaning that goes on in this world. And, it, and it's with the believer, it's with the unbeliever as well. There's groaning in this life. The Apostle Paul says, In this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. 
that immortality. We want that body. We, we don't want to be ones that die and then the body goes into the ground. We want to be further clothed, as he said. Um, we want the habitation which is from heaven. And then, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. There's something wrong in the context of being found naked without the body. And so we long then to be further clothed. We want to keep on living. Everybody I know, unless you're on your deathbed and you're gasping for breath and you're eaten up by the cancer, you just want to die. But other than that, people who are relatively healthy, they want to live. And they want to breathe. And if you were in a swimming pool and somebody put your head underwater, you're fighting with all of your strength to breathe. We want to keep breathing, but yet not in this corruption. Not in this fallen world, fallen body. We want a, a new habitation. I want a new habitation. I want a body that doesn't have pain and suffering. I don't want to have to deal with the things that come upon the brain because of diseases. I want, to, I want to have that existence. I don't even understand what that would be like. I've never had that existence. It's always been a groaning. All my life long, until the time that I was conscious, that I was an individual alive, it's been groaning, it's been pain, it's been hurt. I want further clothing. I want a new tent. So Paul says, we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, weighed down. It's a grinding, isn't it? You know. You get up in the, mor in the, in the morning on Monday especially. Right? Oh. Off to work. I'm groaning and moaning about, oh, I'm so tired of this stuff. Yeah. You know, interesting. Adam in the garden tilling the earth before the fall didn't have that groan. He didn't have a drag on the body because of no corruption. What would that be like? What would it be like to get up Monday morning and love to do what you do? Many people do. Most people don't. You know, statistically they say that most heart attacks happen on Monday morning. Why is that? People getting up to go to a job that they hate and all the turmoil that it produces within the heart. We groan. Not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed that mortality may be swallowed up by life. This is the promise that the Apostle Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 15. That this mortal is going to put on immortality and death will be swallowed up in life. And therefore, the victory and what will come to pass is that saying, Oh, death, where is your sting? Hades, where is your victory? It's been swallowed up by life in Jesus Christ. But we've come halfway through this text. And let me ask you this question. You who do not believe, what's your hope when you die? What is your comfort when you're on your deathbed, what are you going to hold on to, cling to? When you're in the hospital grinding it out because of cancer and you don't know if you're going to live the next day, where's your hope? What are you looking for? 
What are you reaching for? What are you striving to give you stability in the midst of that turmoil? There's nothing in this world that can do it. His name is Jesus. He is the only rock and the only refuge for mankind. In that sense, He is the Savior of the whole world in the sense that there is only one Savior and His name is Jesus. And the question for each one of us is, have we run to Jesus? Have we found ourselves upon this rock, Christ Jesus? Now, being upon the rock, you're going to be broken. And that's a good thing. You're going to be humbled. You're going to know your sinfulness. You're going to know that you are not a good person. You have broken all the commandments of God. And you're not going to be afraid to confess that. That I have broken every one of the commandments of God. And on myself, I am worthy and deserving of damnation. But I'm not of myself. I'm one who has been redeemed by Christ, and so I am covered and clothed in Him. And I have been broken because of the rock, Christ Jesus. But if you're not broken, you will be ground to powder, Jesus said. If you fall on the rock, you're broken. If the rock falls on you, then you will be ground to powder. So let me ask you again, are you believing on Jesus Christ? Now, a problem that goes on in so many of smaller communities where people have been churched is that they equate believing things about Jesus as trusting in Him as their salvation. Those are worlds apart. They are still trusting that they are good people, that God should accept them. Look at the things that I have done. That's what you're resting in, what you can do. You attend, you go every Sunday, you go through the motions, maybe you take the Lord's Supper, you throw some money in the offering plate. You're looking to yourself as a good individual in the community. Got a good business, upstanding, you know, my name is good within the community. People like me. Why wouldn't God like me? You're an idolater. You're trusting in the idols of your own heart. Let me give you this analogy. It's a true story. Back in the 40s, a man walked the tightrope across the Niagara Falls. You ever heard of that? Members of my congregation have heard that. Guy walked down and walked back on a tightrope. Then he got a wheelbarrow lifted up to him, and he took the wheelbarrow and he wheelbarrowed down and back on that tightrope. That was amazing. And people were astounded as they watched him do it. When he came back and he looked down at the crowd, he looked at one specific man, and he says, do you believe I can do this? And the man said, I just saw you do it. He said, well, get in the wheelbarrow. You see, that's the difference of knowing things about Jesus and trusting in Jesus. When you trust in Jesus, all of your hope is Him. If salvation isn't in Jesus, then I'm damned because I don't have a plan B. I don't have a bug out plan, a backup plan. I have Christ. And I've placed everything on the truth and the validity of God's Word. That's all that I have. But that's all that I need. How do I know? The working of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit testifies to the believer 
through the ministry of the Word of God, that we have salvation, that we are children of the living God. God speaks to us in that way through the Word. You want to hear the voice of God? Open the Scriptures. Read the Bible. God speaks. Speaking this morning through His Word. He speaks. So we desire to be clothed with immortality. That death is swallowed up in life. God has prepared us for this very thing. And notice that we are confident knowing that we are at home in the body. We are here. We are absent from the Lord. The desire is to be absent from this body and present with the Lord. Paul says, for we walk by faith. Everybody walks by faith. Do you know that? What was your confidence that these pews were going to hold you up this morning? Did any of you even think about that? You came in to where you were directed and you sat right down with not even an inkling of... What if this pew breaks? I was at a, a meeting one time in a congregation, and uh, there were, it was all men, and there was uh, some, how should I say, heavy set men that were in one pew, and they were laughing and joking, and, and one of them pushed back, and he, he broke the pew. One of the legs of the pew. How would you know that that would hold you up? This is an act of faith. You're trusting something. And every man does. But when it comes to your eternal destiny, there is only one to trust, and his name is Jesus. There is none other to trust. Walking by faith means you live your life in accordance with the promises of God. If you are an unbeliever, you are living your life according to what men say. You are trusting the government. You're trusting the expert of the day. You're trusting the Fauci's of this world. We're absolute fools. To live by faith it means that you believe God's word and therefore you respond accordingly. There is no fear in death. Why? Christ has swallowed up death for the believer. There's no fear of judgment. Why? Because the word of God tells the believer that there is no condemnation. Christ took my condemnation. So I don't have a burdened conscience that I'm going to stand before God and this heap of sin is going to be thrust upon me. Christ has already dealt with that once for all time for his people. That's walking by faith. Walking by faith. Will the world ever be flooded again with water? No. Why? The rainbow. You kids, you've seen the rainbow. You look to the rainbow. You love to see the rainbow. You take pictures of the rainbow. The rainbow is not what this unbelieving world says it is. The rainbow, the bow in the sky which God has placed there, is a covenant promise to all of creation. They will never again flood the earth with water. You know, away with this nonsense of man trying to reinvent things. Man trying to then give new definitions to what God has said. A marriage is one man and one woman. Not two women, not two men. Be angry. Doesn't bother me. This is what the word of the Lord says. That's what faith does. Faith believes that. Faith has compassion on the unbeliever. Faith calls them to repentance. Faith speaks the truth. 
Faith walks in confidence. Then you're ready to depart. You're ready to die. You walk with a smile. You know the truth. You've been liberated from the lies of Satan and the deception of your own heart by the truth of God's word. We are confident, and it is coming, the Apostle Paul says, that one day we are going to be absent from this body and we are going to be present with the Lord. So what happens to the believer? What happens to those who die in Jesus Christ? To die in Christ means to die in union with Christ. To die in faith, to die in hope, to die in trust, in confidence of Jesus Christ is to be immediately in the presence of the Lord. It's what the Apostle Paul longed for, desired, and he gives that comfort to every believer. Trusting in Christ, you have overcome Satan, sin, and the world through faith. You've overcome death. The death of death And the death of Christ is the confidence of every believer. And you can live this life to the glory of God, come what may, because you know God is sovereign. You're in his hands. You don't live foolishly, but you don't live fearfully either. You live as those who are upheld by the sovereign hand of God. And when his purpose is done, you die. While you're here, you labor while it is daylight. For the glory of Christ. That is the comfort for every believer. Amen. Shall we pray?